So we're in our final Wise Guys series. In the last couple of weeks, Pastor Alex has talked about the wisdom of Proverbs. And the idea is that we are to live wisely, that we are to humbly seek God, that we are to live out his plans for our life. And if we do, things will go well for us. It's kind of a cause and effect thing. If we do this, then this will happen. Well, yes, that is generally true. It is true that if we do the right things, there will be positive consequences. There will will be rewards in our lives. If we do the wrong things, we will face negative consequences. However, there is another uh, book of wisdom literature in the Bible that kind of takes the other side of the coin, and it's Job. The story of Job paints a very different picture than the world of the Proverbs. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk us through the story of Job, and we're going to hear what God might be saying to us through that story. Then I'm going to tell a modern-day story of Job, and then we're going to wrap up by just thinking about how we should respond to God. So you ready to go? All right, let's do this. So Job was a good guy. He was such a good guy that God was bragging on Job to Satan. And so let's pick up the conversation in chapter 1, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. So God brags on Job, but Satan says, well, I think he just serves you because of what he gets out of it. I think if you allow me to take away all of his stuff and his family, he'll curse you. God says, okay, I'll let you put him to the test. Just don't lay a hand on him. So the rest of chapter 1 is this tale of woe as one messenger after another, after another, comes to Job and says, Job... All of your flocks and herds have been destroyed. Job, all your servants have been captured. Job, your children have lost their lives. They're all dead. And Job responds in verse 20. Let's look at that. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Chapter 2 opens. 
with another conversation between God and Satan. Again, God brags on Job and he says, look at how my Job has responded to it. Let's look at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Way to go, Job, God says. Satan says, well, yeah, I'll give him credit for that. But if you let me mess with his health, he'll curse you. God says, okay, I'll let you put him to the test. Just don't kill him. And so Job gets these awful sores from head to toe and is in complete misery. And let's pick up this in verse 8 of chapter 2. Then Job took a piece of pottery, broken pottery, and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Yeah. And then his wife chimes in. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Don't ever quote that, guys. <laughs> never, never quote that verse of scripture. You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So then chapter 3 opens with Job's three friends who heard about Job's calamity and go to comfort him. And when they see him, they're so grossed out that they rip their clothes and they set in ashes with Job and they don't say anything for seven days. And then Job speaks in chapter 3. This is a lament. Job says things like, I wish I would never have been born. My life is miserable. If you're ever really, really depressed, don't read this chapter. It'll only make things worse. So it's just this awful, you know, this awful reality that Job is faced with. Well, then the next three or 33 chapters are this conversation between Job's friends and Job. And if it's okay with you, I'm not going to read all 33 chapters. I'll just summarize. Basically, what was going on is that Job's friends were convinced that Job had to have committed some kind of sin. And that this Calamity is the judgment of God. So they kept saying, Job, just be honest. What did you do wrong? Just repent. Maybe, you know, God will help you. And Job would maintain his innocence and he would say, no, I didn't do anything wrong. And they just would go round and round and round. Well, then in uh, chapter 38, God speaks. 
And it's interesting because these four chapters, you would think that God would bring clarity to what's going on and explain, hey, this is just a test, and I allowed Satan to do this. But God doesn't say any of that. Instead, what he does is he talks about his majesty and his power and his wisdom. And Job sits and listens. And then in chapter 42, Job responds. Job says, okay, God, I I get it. You're big. You're powerful. And Job just affirms who he is before God and basically says, I know I am nothing before you. He submits his life to God and he says, God, whatever, I'm just your humble servant. Well, the book ends with a sudden reverse of fortunes. And Job has all of his wealth again with even more. Job has more children. And the book of Job ends with these verses that talk about Job's uh, prominence and uh, Job's wealth. After this, Job lived 140 years and he saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. So what's the lesson here? There are several we could talk about, but I really want us to land on what I think is the central lesson of the book of Job. And here it is. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes this cause and effect world of the Proverbs that we've been listening to and reading the last couple of weeks just doesn't work out. Like I said earlier, sometimes we face negative consequences as a result of our own choices, right? That's the way life works, and that's the world of the Proverbs. You do the wrong thing, you're going to pay the price. We've all experienced that. But sometimes, like Job, we face awful circumstances, and it has nothing to do with our own choices. Sometimes other people's choices affect us in negative ways. And sometimes, as I think is the case with Job, the best answer is that we live in a fallen world where evil is allowed to flourish. That's what happened in this story, right? God says, okay, Satan, do your thing. Evil is real and evil is still doing its awful thing. That's the world in which we live. Now, I think it's important for us to think about this because, for one thing, I think 
we really need to think about the nature of God in this conversation. You see, I believe God is sovereign, but I believe in God's sovereignty, he has created each one of us with a free will. God gave each one of us the freedom to choose, and that freedom opens the door to all kinds of chaos. Even more, I believe God allows the laws of nature which he set up to operate usually without his direct intervention so that tornadoes and hurricanes and red tide and cancer happen as the laws of nature and physiology play out in our lives. You see, I think it's important for us to understand this because what I see a lot of times is that people have wrong expectations about God and then when something bad happens, they look to him as the author of it and they say, God, why did this happen? Why did you do this, God? God didn't do it. Friends, God is not a killer. God does not send cancer. God does not look down on some Midwestern town and say, I think I'm going to wipe that town out with a tornado. Friends, that is not the God that I love and serve. So please, don't think God is going to make sure your kids never get sick. Or that if you're a Christian, you're never going to get cancer. Or that God is somehow obligated to pay all your bills. Scripture doesn't promise those things. And unfortunately, I believe we have all of these messages that, that just lead us to think that God is going to sort of, you know, that God is behind it all somehow. For example, how many of you have heard the statement, everything happens for a reason? Have you heard that before? Everything happens for a reason. Probably some of you have said that, trying to comfort people. What does that mean? Everything happens for a reason. See, I think that we think that God is somehow orchestrating all of the circumstances of our lives working out his plan for us. I think we think that's what it means. 
And so if something bad happens, then somehow, ultimately, God is behind it. No! I don't believe that. I don't think you should believe that. Maybe you would say, yeah, but doesn't Romans 8.28 say that God works all things for good? No, it doesn't say that. Let's look at what it does say. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't say that the things are good. You see the difference? It says, in all things, good and bad, God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That's why when Romans and James talks about how we can rejoice when we face trials of many kinds, it's that God is at work accomplishing his purposes in us through whatever life throws our way. It's an awesome perspective that we can have even when we're going through difficult times. Well, I told you I was going to tell you a modern-day Job story. Well, I asked Doug if he would be willing to come and just talk to you about this experience, and he has agreed, and so he's here. So, Doug, I want you to come up, and I want you to talk to us. So, tell us how you're doing. You know, um, are we on here? Is he okay? Try it now. Are we good? You know, I'm I'm really blessed um, in a lot of ways, and you might uh, that might be a curious thing for me to say, but it's the truth. Um, the first 52 years of my life couldn't have been much better. Um, I love what I do. Uh, I love my family. And the reality is, you know, this has really been hard. Um, and I'm going to try my best not to cry on you because um, I tend to do that. Just when you were describing it, it was like, yeah. I remember all that. It was awful. But um, there, is, there is real power in a clear conscience. Do you know what I mean by that? What I mean by that is, is I know I didn't do anything. And I know even though a jury uh, who didn't have all the information that they should have had convicted me that... Uh, God knows that I'm innocent. I know that I'm innocent. He is ultimately going to be my judge, and he's going to be your judge. Um, so there's, there's strength in innocence, and there's peace. And even though the circumstances that I went through were really ugly, uh, the reality is I'm very blessed. I'm, 
I've been married to a beautiful lady for about 30 years. Uh, it's a miracle that I'm still married. Uh, she came to realize in a very clear way that her mother was lying. And uh, that wasn't me convincing her. She, she knows. And we have three children. Uh, two of those kids are really thriving. My wife and my youngest daughter are in San Diego. My daughter is starting school uh, next week at Point Loma Nazarene University. Last week, she was the queen of Summerfest, which is our little festival in St. Mary's. And if you saw her, and if you knew her, you would know what a beautiful girl she is, and my oldest daughter, and uh, my son um, is a different story. And he's a great kid. I talked to him a little bit ago, uh, but he's, he's had some real difficulty with this, and He's, he's still working through that, and I believe he's going to be okay, but right now he's not okay. And so his name is Jordan. If you think about it, uh, that's the biggest pain of this now is my son Jordan. Jordan needs to, to get better. Um, but, but I've had the opportunity for the last six years to do something I love doing. Uh, I've been to a lot of different countries, but mainly uh, Jamaica. I work in a Nazarene clinic there. Uh, we do cataract surgery, glaucoma surgery, pterygium surgery, uh, oculoplastic surgery. Uh, retina care. Uh, I'm really blessed to be able to do that. I've been doing that for the last uh, five, six years, and it's, it's great fun. It is so much fun to be able to help someone who really needs your help and to have the training to do that. So if someone comes in and they cannot see if it's just a cataract, we can fix that. And we've done a couple thousand surgeries, and it, there's nothing quite like the thrill of being able to help someone significantly. Now, I'm not paid a whole bunch of money to do that. I am paid a little bit. But uh, the satisfaction of doing something like that <clears throat> is quite a bit more than fitting someone with some contacts or glasses, even though I really enjoy that, too. So I've been able to practice, not in the United States, but over there. Right now, I'm presently what you would call retired. Um, just had a birthday, and uh, I'm 59 years old. And so uh, my health is good. I uh, have a wonderful family, a lot of great friends. And um, so in, in that sense, I'm very blessed, and I am. I drove three and a half hours this morning from my houseboat in Lake Cumberland. So how sorry can you feel for me, <laughs> right? I was, I was out surfing and anyway. So uh, I'm not Job. I mean, I used to read the book of Job when I was in prison and think of myself, you know, it's just the opposite. I thought, wow, I've got it pretty good. 
I mean, none of this, you know, you read that book, and to me, I just think, um, wow. Great, great perspective. So, uh, how has God taught you through these eight years? What, what, have, what have you learned in this experience? Well, one thing, when you asked me that question, one thing that immediately came to my mind is, um, you know, we, we need to have an understanding that this world is not our home. And the stuff that we battle, you know, this last week, uh, two of my best friends, Glenn Wilson, Greg Starts, both of their dads died. And, uh, you know, the, the, that happens. Our parents have died. The stuff that we go through here, um, let's, let's just understand that it's just stuff here. And if we can increase our faith, become more and more dependent on God, uh, give ourselves to Him fully, more fully, get closer, that's, that's what we need to do. So, you know, if you're going through something and it just is crushing you, and believe me, I was crushed by this. Um, there will be a season in your life where uh, it will strengthen your faith and it will make you a deeper person. And it will, uh, if you allow the Holy Spirit, if you allow it to, it will, it will change you uh, it's hard for me to stand up here and say I'm a better person than I used to be, but some of my best friends have said that about me, and I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that, but I, I think I'm a whole lot less humble, or more humble, more humble. <laughs> a whole lot more humble than I used to be. Um, and I think there's, when you, when, you, uh, when you feel a lot of pain, I think you can have a lot of empathy with people who have pain, and... Uh, I was at Summerfest, and a guy I played football with came up to me, uh, and he said, uh, can I talk to you? He said, the first thing I want to tell you is that I, I know you, and I know you didn't do any of that stuff. And the second thing I want to tell you is of, a, of an incident in my life. I was in the backseat of a car, and I flew through the windshield, and I was paralyzed. The car was burning. And I was ready to die. And I knew I was going to die. And I saw an angel come up beside me. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Steve, you're going to be okay. And sure enough, by a, a, a few uh, things happened. The fireman got there, took, took out the fire. And he was walking. He looked good. He looked chubby, just like I did. And <laughs> I said, uh, Steve, let's get together. And uh, he says he walks a lot in the morning. And I certainly need to do that. I said, let's get together and let's talk about this. So we started doing that this week. And I don't know exactly what his journey's like, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live his journey with him. And before, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably wouldn't have had that interest. But now, um, I'm attracted to brokenness. And um, I... I just see me as this pain that I've gone through has got to be for something. So if I can walk along some, uh, someone that's going through something, that's what I want to do. Awesome. 
Well, thank you for uh, allowing God to be the center of who you are so that you could walk this journey glorifying him. And one other thing I want to say, my brother is one of the finest people that I know, and you're lucky to have him here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Just that little commercial. So, uh, thank you, Doug. So, Adam is coming up. Adam, come up. He's going to sing a song. And uh, as he sings this song, I want to give you a chance to respond. And I'm not sure what God is saying to you, but, you know, I think hopefully one of the things that you hear is we should be careful about the expectations we place on God and not blame him. So maybe there's somebody here that's kind of held God at arm's length because of something that happened. And so I would just, if that's you, I would just say, you know, please reconsider. God loves you. He wants to be with you and help you and walk with you. That's, that's the good news of this. Some things we maybe shouldn't expect of God, but we can absolutely expect that God will be with us. Whatever road life takes us down, we can trust him. Doug, I'm going to ask you to come and just kneel. And I want some people to come around and pray for Doug as he's in the middle of this and pray for Jordan. Others of you would just maybe just want to come and just tell God, God, I trust you through whatever I'm going through or whatever I may go through. So Adam is going to sing this beautiful song. And as he sings, I would just invite anybody that wants to come. And then we're going to pray and then sing one more song of response.